The Favorites Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. I bet with FanDuel because they've got great odds and markets for the NBA, NHL, MLB, and the PGA Tour with an app that's easy to use, safe, and secure. So if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now and sign up with promo code FAVORITES so they know I sent you. Must be 21 or older and present in select states only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-HOPE-NY or text hope ny. 467369 in New York. Tennessee Redline is 1 800 889 9789. 1 800 522 4700 in Wyoming or visit 1 800gambler.net in West Virginia. Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. I am Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action. Network, big fantasy conversation today. In a few minutes, Action Network's all everything. You see him on our NBA show, Heat Check. You follow him for his NBA heaters. You know him from hosting our fantasy show, Fantasy Flex, from our NFL show on the Action Network with Stucky. Also Fantasy Flex, the podcast, that's what I'm referring to. He has consistently been one of the best player rankers on Fantasy Pros, the industry standard for ranking the experts. Top five, two years ago, his name is Chris Raybon. He's going to come on in a second after I bring on my BFF, my companion, my compadre, professional better, Simon Hunter. Uh, nothing like talking a little NFL, some fantasy in late June. You know, just getting, getting fired up, buddy. Like, we literally... Every time we do these little snippets, we talk kind of film. I mean, you're both just like, ah, oh, God, I can't wait till September. So this will hopefully hold over some of our diehards who are just itching for some fantasy talk. Because just like them, I love fantasy football. Like everyone else, it's a form of gambling. I'm in on it. If you can find an edge in fantasy football, you can make good money doing it. I'm sure Chris has made some nice dollars doing these best ball tournaments and things like that. Well, listen, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. Like there's definitely something about talking NFL, it's almost like when you get together with you, the friends you've had for 30 years and like there's a, a sort of uh, a secondhand nature to the conversation. Like everyone knows each other's habits, their nods, their ticks, and like can immediately jump in. That's what I feel like when I talk about the NFL. It just feels like good. That. You know what I mean? It just feels good. Raybon. Yo. Doesn't it make you feel good? It does. Although I'm still I'm still searching for that friend I've had for 30 years. That's probably going to take another another decade or so for me, but point taken. Point taken. Might don't age yourself your, a little bit there. Don't give me your bullshit about this. <laughs> Listen to me. I'm just saying, man. I, I, I would have been five. I don't have any friends since I was five. Well, I do. Well, that's, damn. That's on you then. That's okay. on you. I'm sorry. Because I'll be back. I, some of my closest friends in the world are people that I've been friends with since I was like 
five years old. And the fact that, you know, I'm so much older than you and can now say in my professional life, I have people I've been friends with for almost 30 years. You'll get to that point soon. I will. Maybe not that soon, but I will. You and I have already been friends for five years. Yeah. Five years. Five more years. I know. I'm just kidding. When I'm in my mid seventies, you can be spoon feeding me ADP rankings. <laughs> uh, let's talk about that today. Let's talk about average draft position. Uh, Raybon, for anybody who's like a hardcore better and is only tangentially in fantasy, explain what ADP is. Average draft position, that's essentially the market uh, for fantasy football. So it's just uh, where on average each player is being drafted. Um, usually you talk about it uh, in terms of position. So like Tom Brady, if he was the ninth quarterback off the board, he, you'd call him QB nine. Um, but you could also t- talk about ADP in terms of their overall draft position. Um, and then there's a bunch of different sources. Fantasy pros has one where um, they kind of aggregate a bunch of different uh, industry sites that people draft on for theirs. So that's the one we'll be using today, but um, yeah, that's average draft position. Just where a player's going on average. All right. So today you're going to run through 18 different players. I think we're going to have opinions on these, uh, which are basically your top three players um, that are sort of well, your top three players in your position. Yeah. And then the, your sort of bottom three players, for lack of a better term, in each position, regardless of their current ADP. For, well, no, no, it's with their, it's, it's, it, it's not regardless. It's, it's relative to their ADP. Like relative I'm, to Like I'm ADP. out on Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> he's not a bottom three player in fantasy. I just think he's going a little too high. So it's just, it's just overvalued guys and undervalued guys relative to um, their very early, uh, you know, late, uh, June ADP. That's basically what I said. Nah, you said you said regardless of ADP. That's a totally different thing. That means I, feel I would just like say I didn't say that. Sam Darnold. I I all right, fine. Maybe I said it. Anyways, overvalued, undervalued based on ADP. Right? See, is that fair? How good does that sound? Yeah. Sounds really good. I want to talk about quarterbacks first. Do it. Go. Okay. Damn. My first one up is. Tom Brady, in terms of quarterbacks that are undervalued, he's going as the QB nine uh, right now. And if you look at his two years in Tampa Bay, he finished as the QB seven in his first year. And then he finished as the QB two last year. And, you know, part of the year, you know, he was missing Antonio Brown. Uh, he was throwing at guys like Cyril Grayson and, and, and Brashad Perriman for game winning touchdowns. I, you just don't want to bet against this guy. And I think when you're talking about, the, the picks that are going where Brady is going, um, you know, you can get him, you know, outside of the top 70, 80 overall, usually like he could be a league winner. If he does, if he has another QB two finish, he could be a league winner. So you're not really risking that much. Um, taking a quarterback at his spot, but the upside is still very, very high. And I think people are just going to be a little bit scared because you know, how long could he keep doing this? But I mean, if anyone's going to go out, on top without an actual drop-off it's Tom Brady and he's given us no real reason to show that he's going to slow down in any substantial way yet so I think at QB9 I think you take him there now if he was going at like QB2 QB3 
to before, then you say, okay, well, now it's kind of balanced out. There's no real value there. But QB9 for a guy that could, you know, be a top two quarterback or even the QB1 overall if things break right, I think that's a steal. I can't argue with you on Tom Brady. Um, but there's almost never anything to say about Tom Brady because the bottom line is you don't bet against Tom Brady. It's like a standard trope at this point. Your next one, though, Simon Hunter is going to have some significant opinions on. Let's go. It's Jalen Hurts from Simon's Eagles. Uh, he's going as the QB8. Uh, he's all yoked up, which means absolutely nothing, but that's what everyone <laughs> seems to be talking about with him. His upper body has finally caught up to his his lower body in terms of lifting, so I guess that's cool. But the reason I like Jalen Hurts is because he was the QB7 in points per game last year. Um. Now he adds A.J. Brown to the mix. And that could also potentially increase not just his efficiency, which should go up from having A.J. Brown in place of like Jalen Rager, essentially, but Devontae Smith also entering year two. And just the combination of both of those things, the efficiency should increase, but they also may throw a little bit more. Now, I know they had the most success when they kind of went run heavy down the stretch last year. But with all that, with all that run heaviness, with Jalen Rager taking up snaps, they he still finishes the QB seven in points per game. So I see nowhere to really go but up. And, you know, I don't, I'm not worried about his job security or anything like that. So I, I think it's a, it's a nice gamble on Jalen Hurts, who could easily, is another guy, he could finish as the QB one overall. He could put up a top two or three finish. Um, and I don't really see much downside there just because of his rushing ability. If he's not throwing a lot, if, you know, he's still going to be running the football. So uh, I think Jalen Hurts is a high floor, high ceiling uh, quarterback at this point. Yeah, I think Chris just nailed it where when I look at Jalen Hurts, I believe he's the league winner. Every year there's a quarterback that you got to grab at the end of these first round, like these first batch of quarterbacks, the top 10, top 12 quarterbacks. Like Tom Brady, love what you just talked about, how he killed it last year. Brady's a nice guy where you can grab him and you can grab a Trevor Lawrence later on. You grab, you pair him with some young quarterback. Hurts is kind of guy you can grab and that's it, right? Like you're kind of banking on him being the guy that's going to win you the league. And I look at Hurts, this is it. Like this is the perfect setup, what he just talked about. It's year two in him in this offense. He's got A.J. Brown now. Goddard's a great tight end. There's a lot of offensive weapons on this team in what we would call a weaker division. So to me, I, I Chris nailed it. It's like, I had him probably top five as my quarterback center of the year. And again, you don't want to take too much from the spring football, but the fact that he's been putting the work and he's got the body now, right? <laughs> all, all we have to see is if he's got the mind. And I talked last year, the biggest issue with Hertz is the second read. The kid could not make the second read. And when plays, when plays would break down, Hertz actually did pretty good finding guys downfield. But when it's all calm and he's in the pocket, he wouldn't look for the second read. As soon as that first read was gone, he pulled down and run. And that cost him major plays. So no excuses for him this year. To me, it's like I, I love his upside so much. If this kid can throw for 35, 40 touchdowns and run for 10 or 15 touchdowns, easily a league winner. So I'm right there with Chris. I love the upside of Hurts this season. Yeah, and the thing, you know, you talk about that second read, and I was just talking to somebody about this too, is, you know, you know, you know what you're getting with Devontae Smith already. Like he could be a number one receiver, you know, if, if they didn't have A.J. Brown, like he, I think he's that good. He, he showed a year, he had a pretty good rookie year. Guys usually take their year to leap. But like you have A.J. Brown, you have Smith, 
and you have Goddard. So at, like you have three guys now that can create pretty decent separation. So it's like, yeah, Hertz is always going to miss some reads. He's not a perfect quarterback. That's why, you know, that's why he is what he is. That's why he was drafted outside the first round, but just having guys that are going to be open, you know, so that he does it, he maybe has that extra half second, you know, if he gets to that second read, if, it's, if the processing still not as, as great as, a, you know, a Tom Brady or some of the other great quarterbacks in this league, he's still going to have guys that are open at three different positions on a lot of um, passing plays. So I think that's, that's really important. That's why the AJ Brown, um, you know, acquisition, I think is so meaningful. Well, look, it's really interesting because the Eagles have said, we're all in on Jalen Hurts this year, right? This is the year to prove it. If it doesn't work out, we're going to go another direction, but we've given him the weapons. We got AJ Brown. We've surrounded him with talent. Like it makes total sense based on what he did last year, the opportunity he's going to get and the weapons he's got to, to overvalue him based to, to undervalue him based on his ADP right now. Whereas the next quarterback on your list, <laughs> you got to take a leap of fucking faith. Yeah. To go with it's, this one. Yeah. And it's, it's Daniel Jones. And the reason, and this is, this is a two quarterback league kind of play because there's no other reason to be even looking at a guy that's going as the quarterback 29 right now. But I think it's interesting because he was, you know, just inside the top 20 last year in terms of points per game at the position. And that was with a terrible offensive line, which three of the starters from the O-line last year are not even signed by any NFL team yet. Like that's how bad this roster was top four receivers missed a combined 24 games, you know, Saquon wasn't right the whole year. They, he, he's going to have, he only had one good tackle. Now he should have two. Uh, if, you know, if, if the draft pick pans out, Evan Neal. So they're just, and then you have Dable who, you know, was there oversaw Josh Allen kind of growing from a guy who we didn't know at, at one point into a, a very good quarterback. And I, I don't think Jones has the same kind of talent, but I just think, everything about Daniel Jones situation is better than it was last year where he was the QB 18 in points per game. So like this guy could sneak into like, you know, maybe like a QB 12, 13 in a best case scenario. But even if not at QB 29, if you're in a two quarterback league, I think he's definitely giving you startable value um, just based on the fact that he can run and literally everything is better around him than it was a year ago. It's always interesting how GMs come in and evaluate talent, right? Because clearly now this is the second round of, of management that has a belief in Daniel Jones, at least for this year. Maybe they surveyed, saw they didn't have many options based on what was available in the market. But also what you just said, terrible offensive line that the Giants just gave him no help, a lot of injuries, Saquon. So who knows? Danny Dimes could be throwing dimes, right? And Jason Garrett, too. You forgot to even mention. I mean, the, the list was so long of things that weren't right. And I'm not like, I'm listen, I'm not trying to sit here and say Daniel Jones is a good or even above average quarterback or anything like that. Or like this, like it was because I hate when people say like, oh, well, this guy didn't play well because he didn't have anything around. I mean, that's been the argument for Sam Darnold and all these guys. I'm just saying for fantasy purposes, he was like just below average last year. 
in, in terms of points per game at QB 18. And now everything around him is better. So, you know, you put those two things together and you could get a, be- a, a half decent fantasy year and he's free. So that, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying he's good or like the, like they're right for having a, for having faith in him. Cause I still haven't seen enough to, to make me think he's like a franchise quarterback, but, and I think he's still a net negative if you're talking about, you know, quarterbacks worth to the spread, but I just think for fantasy, he's free and he could give you, uh, he could outperform his ADP by like 10 best case scenario, even 15, 15 slots. All right. Your list of QBs sinking for lack of a better term, your overvalued quarterbacks. Yeah. Oh man. The one at the top of the list. Yeah. Right. Patrick Mahomes, QB two. I just think that's too high for Patrick Mahomes without Tyreek Hill. And we let's put some numbers behind this. Over the last four incredible years from Patrick Mahomes, he's averaging a full yard per attempt less throwing to everyone not named Tyreek Hill. And then his touchdown percentage goes from 8.3% to Hill to 6.4% to everyone else. And that may not sound like a lot. So if you put it in terms of touchdowns, that's over 13 touchdowns per 600 pass attempt difference. Uh, if you just put use his touchdown rate for everyone else as opposed to Tyree Kill. So, like, if you're drafting a quarterback highly, first of all, it's usually a mistake, period, because usually people start one quarterback and it's just a supply and demand issue. There's always going to be quarterbacks that, you, that are going to be startable further down the list. We just talked about Tom Brady. We just talked about Jalen Hurts. And even if you go a little further down, there's still guys you're going to be able to kind of stream and mix and match. So if you're drafting a quarterback highly, you have to be sure. And first of all, Patrick Mahomes wasn't even the quarterback too last year, you know, and that was with Tyreek. You know, defenses started to figure some things out. So now you're taking away this generational talent who clearly had a big impact on Patrick Mahomes' numbers, and you're again expecting him to finish quarterback two and higher and higher than last year. It just – I just think that's – that's just overvaluing a guy. And it's because he has that name, Patrick Mahomes, it's really hard for people when they get to a certain point in the draft. And there's maybe like, you know, guys who you would call like running back twos and wide receiver twos. And then they see Patrick Mahomes. And it's, it's hard for people to pass on that name versus like a guy, uh, you know, kind of a middling wide receiver two or running back two. But first of all, it's the quarterback position. But second of all, it just doesn't make sense that he would have a season, a QB two season without Tyree kill. You know, it's, if he was going QB eight, QB nine, then I say, okay, Hey, this guy, this is what he does. He finishes, you know, top five, top six. So better on him then, but at QB two, it's the opposite. He's overvalued. And so I think, you know, I think you're going to want to fade him up high in the draft. Cause he can't, the only thing he could do to beat his ADP is finishes the top quarterback. Like, is that really likely in his first year without Tyree kill? No. Yeah, I would say most people do draft him, though they're not they're not drafting him the second quarter. They're drafting him just to hope top five because he's just consistent. That's what they're banking on. I'm with you. The Tyreek thing kind of throws a wrench into that. It's like, again, I'm with people. He's a dominant, incredible quarterback, but he was always consistent when he had Tyreek Hill. So I'm I'm with you. It's a little high, a little 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 too high for Mahomes, but I guess that's just the fantasy community feels comfortable and they feel more safe with taking him there. But your next quarterback in this list is really interesting. Your quarterback ten. Um, where, where do you have him dropping to? So Aaron Rodgers is is who Simon's talking about. Who you're talking about? And yeah, listen. The thing about Aaron Rodgers is 
First of all, let me. So I think I think he's like a 11, 12, 13, 14 quarterback this year without Devontae Adams. And I don't think that means the Packers will be bad, but you just have to look at the numbers with and without Adams. You know, over the last two years, 9.5 yards per attempt with Adams, 7.8 with everybody else. So that's a massive difference. That's even more than Mahomes and Hill. And then the touchdown percentage goes from 9.5% to 7.9. So that's uh, per 600 attempts. That's just about 10 touchdowns difference. And let's remember Aaron Rodgers, you know, in the, like the late 2010s, you know, right before you got LaFleur and Hackett, who Hackett's also gone to Denver. Um, But before you had them, Aaron Rodgers was kind of in that nine to 14 range in, in terms of production. And that was with, you know, at least one good receiver. It was Devontae was there. And I think it, Jordy might've even been there for a year at the beginning of that or something, but like Aaron Rodgers, at one point I, I was notorious and I was wrong about it, but I, I was notorious for saying, Hey, he might be done. Like he might be falling off because he had like three straight years, really it was five, but like three straight fantasy years of middling production. Now his top receiver is Alan Lazard or is it Sammy Watkins or is it, you know, Christian Watson Randall Cobb, like it, it can't be overstated how poor this receiving core is now. Like it's not good. These guys don't get separation. I I, I just it, like I don't think they're gonna throw as much. I think the touchdowns go way down, uh, and I think the efficiency goes way down. Now Aaron Rodgers, he knows how to win football games, so he's gonna do what he has to do, and he's probably gonna put up decent numbers, and they'll probably win win games. But in fantasy, I. I don't want to. I don't want to draft Aaron Rodgers as a as a, even a top ten quarterback. Like I just don't want to do it. Yeah, Chris nailed it there, saying that they are they're in a transition here, right? We've read we've read the reports. We've seen them talk about it. They want to become a dominant defensive team with a dominant run game and a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over. Rodgers will sign up for that. Rodgers knows he's getting older, so he wants less hits. Here, doesn't turn the ball over. We'll see what this year is going to bring. But I'm I'm right there with Chris. There's so much more upside guys to take than an aging Rodgers coming off. Again, back-to-back MVPs. It's like that's that's really hard to keep doing what he's doing. And now you're, you know, not making him put a hand on his back, but how many times have we seen him get bailed out by Adam? So it's going to be different for sure with the Screen Bay team. Now your next one's really intriguing from your QB thirteen. Uh, I'm interested here. Obviously, we know again we're about to talk about Deshaun Watson. There's a lot going on there, but for you in your rankings, do you think you're too high on him already, just because of? You know, built in the, the rumors, the drama that he's going to be suspended for six games, maybe a whole season. Yeah, well, so QB 13, that's the ADP. That's Watson's ADP. I have him lower. Oh, okay. Um, and that's, yeah, so that, oh, the numbers that we're, we're talking here with is all ADP. Um, I have him lower, and that's because I, there's going to be so much uncertainty headed into yeah. the year. And, well, QB 13, most people play 12-team leagues, so I get the QB 13. It's like, okay, he's the first quote-unquote backup off the board, but – Here's the thing, like if you're playing in a one QB league, you don't want to be using more than one spot on a quarterback. So you either have a guy that you you trust that you're going to play week in and week out, or you're going to be streaming and dropping, you know, only holding one quarterback on the roster at a time. So I don't like kind of wait and see, stash him, see what happens. That's a waste of a roster spot. Then you can't stash him on IR because he's not injured. We don't have any idea how much he's going to play. A suspension could come down at any time, even during the season, um, you know, if, if we don't get clarity before. So, like, unless we get some, like, confirmation that, okay, he's going to be able to play for a full season, 
And because of whatever, maybe the legal proceedings will take too long and it's just not going to happen. Then he'll get suspended until, you know, the NFL usually waits until after that, that kind of wraps up. That's the only way that I think you go, you go higher on Watson. But right now it's like drafting him as a QB 13. It's, it's no man's land. It's like, you're wasting a roster spot. There's no guarantees how many games he plays. And at this point, it looks like he's going to get at least a six game suspension. I mean, if I was just kind of had a set of line. So you know, it's just to me, it's just a waste of a roster spot right now. Um, you know, I think he if and it's QB 13, it's like if, if it's a 12 team league starting one quarterback again, it's like you're going to have guys, you know, Brady, QB nine, Hertz, QB eight. Like there's going to be other guys that you could just get a little bit earlier that are guaranteed to be in the lineup week in, week out. So, I, yeah, I, I just don't see the point with, with Deshaun at this moment. And like if people and if, and if I'm wrong and he plays the whole year, it's just like. It's like, yeah, well, we'll know. We should be able to know that. It's like, it's not something where, you know, it, at, at this point, it's just a risk. It's just, it's yeah, just a risk. Not, with, not a smart draft pick in June yeah, is what Chris yeah. is getting at. It's not a good I use totally of the roster spot. Uh, in your running backs that are undervalued, I feel like the first one on the list that I'm looking at right now is right on the border of that undervalued. If his ADP was one spot higher, he'd probably be in the perfect spot. I don't know. Christian McCaffrey, he's the RB5 consensus at Fantasy Pros. I think he has to be no lower than two because, first of all, what is, where, where is the discount coming from? Is it coming from the fact that he has only played, you know, was it, eight games over the last couple of years? Or, no, nah, I think it was more than that. But, you know, he's missed a ton of games over these past two years. Um and there's a discount going on because of that. But I think people are discounting him too much considering that every running back is an injury risk. Like every single running back is an injury risk. So then you say, okay, well, take out the injuries for a second and just, cause every running back is an injury risk and just look at the production. He put up 20 or more half PPR points in four of the five games he finished last year, as in, you know, the ones that he didn't get hurt and weave early. Uh, and then in each of the two years before that, he was not only the top overall running back in fantasy, but he was by at least four points per game over the next closest running back. And he was doing the same thing last year. He just happened to get hurt and leave two games early. That's it. That's the only things that have changed. And now we're bumping him down to five. I, to me, I just don't get it, especially where, you know, like Derrick Henry's also coming off an injury. But Christian McCaffrey has shown he can outscore him already. You know, Dalvin Cook gets hurt a lot too. You know, he's not the he's not like the uh, the beckon of of health, and he's going above McCaffrey now. Like I, you know, these guys that are going above him, it just doesn't really make sense, and it's just that people are scared off because it's been two straight years of injuries. But like I like, there's time. There's a time to be worried about injuries. Like Saquon Barkley, I was yelling for people not to touch him last year everyone just thought he would go back to normal but this is different this is there's no reason to expect Christian McCaffrey to get any more hurt than any other year and if healthy he's probably the top running back even over Taylor because Taylor I mean Taylor put up such an outlier year whereas like McCaffrey's already done it twice so I don't know if you could call it an outlier where he just completely destroyed every other player in fantasy in terms of points per game. So, yeah, I think five is too low. I think four would be too low. RB15, playoff Lenny, Leonard Fournette, 
this guy landed in a supreme spot and a lot of guys land in supreme spots. What he's done is not fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah. And so everyone was kind of out on him after, you know, the Jaguar failures with Jacksonville, but playing with Tom Brady really helps. And just look at, first of all, look at the numbers. He's going as the RB 15 on average. He was the RB seven last year in both total production and points per game. Then he got 12 million guaranteed uh, on a three-year deal, really a two-year deal, but still 12 million guaranteed is a lot for a running back. They replaced Ronald Jones with a rookie who is the scouting report is he struggles in pass protection. So there's a chance for net sees an even larger workload this year than he did last year, where again, he was the RB seven. He was a top 10 running back, a top eight running back last season. So yeah, I don't, I don't get the RB 15. I know he's age 27 now. That's usually when running backs start to start to decline maybe a year later, but I think he still has at least this one more good year in him. There's nothing to suggest that he was slowing down uh, and there's no injury to speak of. Like there's really nothing. I don't, I don't understand why people are so low on him. Uh, Another one that people are undervaluing, according to you, RB22, James Conner. Yeah. I mean, we know they had to choose between Conner and Edmonds, or they felt they did. They let Edmonds walk. He goes to Miami. So now James Conner's here. And I know they just signed Daryl Williams. And, but like these guys, like, no, like, you know, somebody will have to be the backup. But Conner in five games without Edmonds last year, 21.6 touches per game, 96.6 scrimmage yards per game, 1.4 touchdowns per game. Oh, and if you watched him play, he looked like one of the best running backs in the league, pretty much week in and week out, but especially in those games where he was the feature back. Like this guy, he was giving them more juice than Kyler, you know, most of that year. He was giving them more juice than DeAndre Hopkins. Like he was the best player on that offense for – stretches for much of the year he was a complete beast and they they paid him and all we've seen from him when there's no like guy to like form a, a true committee with and there's not gonna be and there you know there's no one on that roster that would be right now he's been a 20 plus touch guy and we saw him do it in Pittsburgh too so it's not even like he's done it in two different places where we where he's had the starters role and performed at a very high level so and again Yes, he's been injury prone at times. Every running back is. So uh, I don't see any reason to discount him for that. I know he's had a couple of injury play gears in Pittsburgh, but um, yeah, this guy's just balls. So let's run through. We can do this kind of quick just because these are the guys you're down on. Uh, the running backs that are dropping. Let's start with Antonio Gibson. Uh, right now, ADP, running back 12. What's your view on him? Yeah, I think he should just be maybe four, five, six spots lower. Kind of around where he finished last year. He was RB18 in points per game and half PPR last year. And that was with J.D. McKissick playing only 11 games. And I think that's kind of the issue with Gibson is that he's really not ever going to be like that true three down back, not only because of McKissick's presence, but also because he really wore down last year as the season went on. And you could see a kind of clear correlation between, you know, as the workload increased, the yards per carry and the yards after contact uh, started to drop, you know? So, you know, his first year in the league, he had 206 touches and 
he averaged 5.1 yards per touch. Then that went up to 300 touches and he lost, you know, close to a full yard per touch. He dropped to 4.4. So um, I, I just think he's going a little too high. They also drafted the rookie Robinson um, and he could, he could actually steal a few like short yardage carries and things like that. So um, j- j- I, just, I just don't think he's up. RB one in fantasy. I think he's, he's RB two and he's being drafted like a low RB one. So as many people know, in keeper leagues, you always want to draft the injured players from last year. So one of the bigger draft and stash players from last year, JK Dobbins, I see his ADP is number 20. You think that's too high. That's interesting. I would love to hear what's your view on him right now. Yeah. So listen, another great player, JK Dobbins. I mean, from what we've seen out of him anyway, very talented player, good runner, you know, works in their system, but when you're talking about fantasy and you're talking about an RB2, a guy, a guy that you're going to count on a start week in, week out, a guy that you're going to draft in the first, you know, five rounds, you want him to be more of a short thing. And you want him to, you don't want him to be kind of over reliant on any one thing. And I just think Dobbins is going to be very reliant on touchdowns and game script and things like that, because he only averaged 1.2 receptions per game. Um, you know, in his lone year that we've seen him. And we know Baltimore, they're not really throwing to the back. That's just not how their offense goes. Greg Roman is still there. I don't expect that to change. Um, you also got to factor in that they they always kind of uh, have been a committee team. You know, Gus Edwards is still going to mix in and, and so not just like mix in. He's going to get a substantial workload as well. And then you also just have the fact that Dobbins isn't healthy here. You know, he – he, you know, messed up his knee last year and he's still working his way back. And we still have no guarantees that he's healthy as of right now. Um, so I just think all those factors combined, he has a lot of bust potential, you know, taking him in the top 20 running backs. Um, I, I just think, you know, the, the, the lack of receiving usage combined with the fact that with the health combined with the committee, um, you know, there's just a lot of question marks to be taking him in a spot where you could just get a, you don't necessarily have to take a different running back, but I think it's a great spot. You know, those fourth, fifth, sixth, those middle rounds draft wide receivers, get us, get a top six, top seven tight end before they dry up because you just don't need to be taking these, these frozen pond running backs where yeah, one or two of them could hit, but you're looking at a lot, a lot more of a higher bus rate at that position, given the players that are going there compared to receivers. Uh, and tight ends and also right now right now it's crazy to me that his adp is 23 but damian harris is being the 23rd drafted running back right now what's your view on him going into this it's kind of similar to dobbins he averaged 1.2 receptions per game and he scored 15 touchdowns last year on 202 attempts which is amazing but like think about it this way would you draft legarrett like peak legarrett blunt in new england you know, in, in the top 20 as an RB2, I don't think you would because he doesn't catch the ball. It's the same thing here. And and we just don't know what is going to come with Ramondre Stevenson. Like those guys at times are splitting the snaps evenly. And it just so happened that they both, you know, were able to be productive at times because there was no James White in that mix for much of the year. And he's going to be back as well. So now you could have, it could be like a, like a 40, 40, 20, or like a 35, 35, 30 split in snaps between Harris, Stevenson, and White. You know, they're just that's and then and that's on top of just the fact that touchdowns really unpredictable, unsustainable. And that's what he's gonna rely on. So, you know, if he was going, you know, outside, you know, maybe 
30th, 31st, where you, you could take a swing at hopefully he gets another double-digit touchdown year, I'd be all in. But RB23, I, I don't think I could rely on this guy all year as a starting running back. This baseball season, turn K's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. So just sign up, place your first bet, and FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. I love betting with FanDuel because they've got great promos every single day on an app that's safe and secure. Plus, when I win, I get paid out fast. So today, I use my no-sweat first bet MLB bet on the Milwaukee Brewers on the road. There's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sportsbook. So download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code FAVORITES to get started with your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Must be 21 or over and present in Arizona, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, or Louisiana in permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, West Virginia, or Wyoming. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bet that expires 14 days after a streak. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, or Illinois. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369 in New York. Call the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9777. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. I want to flip the script because we've been going rising and sinking, undervalued, overvalued. I want us to end on something positive. So Simon, you're going to ask Raybon about undervalued receivers. Raybon, I want to start with the overvalued. And I'm surprised at wide receiver 13, Jalen Waddle is overvalued given the optimistic nature of his new circumstances. So it's optimistic in the sense that wide receivers year two is the new year three. Like it used to be wide receivers break out in year three. Now it's usually year two when you see a big jump. Now Waddle also had a very good rookie year. So I don't know how much more of a jump he can necessarily make, but I don't necessarily view the circumstances as kind of better for him to produce in fantasy. Last year, he had 140 targets, 104 catches. Now Tyreek Hill is there. Tyreek Hill just had an interview where he explained why he wanted out of Kansas City. And it was because he wasn't being used enough, right? Like, so, you know, Miami, they're going to they're gonna kind of use him as much as possible. And on top of that, he's just a guy who – you know, you look at targets per route run, you know, that's how you kind of project out wide receivers. And when you're, you know, putting a guy in a new spot and last year, like Waddle was far and away, you know, the only kind of plus guy in terms of targets per route run for the dolphins. Like he was, he was getting open. He was getting a separation. The ball was going his way. Now you got a receiver that is better than him in that spot. And you're still expecting him to finish as a top 15 fantasy receiver. He was wide receiver 20 in in points per game last year. And that was with 140 targets and 104 catches. He was wide receiver 20. Now you're expecting him to jump seven spots after you added 
one of the best receivers in the league and one of the most highly targeted receivers in the league. It just doesn't really make it just doesn't really make sense from a numbers perspective, even though the player is very good and the player could even improve from last year in terms of just his skills. The numbers aren't necessarily going to back are going to match that in terms of his fantasy production with Hilbert. What I love that you do very well specifically, and this is what betters do well and what successful fantasy players do well. They completely flip conventional wisdom and the way the crowd is going on its head. Jalen Waddle, everything you just said is such brilliant analysis, breaking down the numbers versus what I framed as positive circumstances, which actually aren't that positive at all, especially compared to what the numbers were last year. Another guy who blew up last year, everyone talked about as being key to the Las Vegas Raiders getting to the playoffs, wide receiver 29 and ADP, Hunter Renfro. Yeah, and this is a similar situation to Waddle, where Hunter Renfro, you know, he's got two guys that are going to be schemed more than him in his offense now, Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. And Hunter Renfro last year, you look at his numbers with and without Waller, you know, there's, and he's a very good receiver. He gets a lot of separation. You know, we've seen the like triple and quadruple moves that he sets the defenders up with. So he's a, another great receiver, but he, his, you know, his catches per game dropped by 1.2 with Waller in the lineup. That, and then, and now you're adding Devontae Adams to that. You know, you're taking a 1.2 catch drop and then you're adding your Adams, which could be another, you know, 1.2 catch drop. And Renfro is not a guy who's getting a high yards per per catch or anything like that. So he's a guy, the, the loss of volume hurts him a lot because for his career, he averages 11 yards per catch. Um, you know, nine touchdowns last year is probably an outlier, especially for a guy his size, you know, it's kind of a slot guy, 5'10", 185. So I just think that it's really going to be tough for him to produce top 30 numbers with those two guys. He might be a top 30 receiver in the league in terms of his route running ability, all that good stuff. But in fantasy, it's hard to, to expect that kind of season from him. With Dev- I mean, Devontae alone would, would probably have knocked that down. But you're also bringing Waller back, who missed you know significant time last year. If both of those guys are healthy, this is it's going to be really tough. And, and also, you want guys, when you're drafting wide receivers, especially around this spot, you want guys who have that upside to be their team's number one but no lower than their team's number two. And Hunter Renfro's already, he's already the team's number three. So it's just, it's just a situation where I think, you know, the floor is probably decent, but I think he could go a little higher in terms of the upside. You are overvalued at wide receiver 35, a guy whose stock has been falling. I'd say the last year uh, in his time with the Arizona Cardinals, Deandre Hopkins. Yeah, and this is another one of those numbers plays because it's really hard to kind of figure out how do I discount a six-game suspension, right? You know, it's it's something that it's like, okay, wide receiver 35, that, that sounds right. You know, he's usually in the top 10. We'll drop him to 25 spots. It's really hard for people that aren't like modeling this or really looking at the numbers to, to get like an accurate way of discounting the six games. First of all, the six games is a little more significant. It's not six, you know, divided into 17. It's six divided into 16 because no one plays fantasy on the last day. So it's not like you're, you're spreading some of that suspension out over the full season. It's even less, but okay. 
last year, Hopkins was the wide receiver 17. And, you know, so he's already dropping in terms of points per game. He's already dropping from his, his heyday. Now you've added Marquise Brown, Zach Ertz will be there. Um, you know, Rondell Moore is entering year two. So you still got competition for targets. So you look at wide receiver 17, that scored 193 points. He's going to miss 37.5% of the season. Guaranteed. Couldn't miss more because wide receivers tend to miss, you know, one or two games with injury. Hopkins actually missed more than that last year, but let's just go off that six, uh, 62.5%, you know, which is six into 16, uh, it's, which is 10 into 16, the amount of games we expect him to play. You take that from the wide receiver 17 points last year, which is 193, and, and, and you take 62.5% of that, and you get 120 points. That would equal the wide receiver 45. So that's just some back, some rough back of the envelope math to tell you that he's still going about 10 spots too high. He's been discounted, but not enough. So for your wide receivers, you got on the rise. I, I really like these. You know, we'll start off with the highest one. ADP wide receiver 10 from Mike Evans. Can't get no respect, Mike Evans. You think that's too low or too high? Yeah, I think that's too low. But I like, and it's because Mike Evans is like the highest floor receiver pretty much in fantasy. I mean, it, like, I think this, I think he should be going like seventh. Like, I, I would take him above, like, CD Lamb is going seventh. I would take him above CD Lamb a thousand yards or more every season. And he's had eight seasons already. So that's pretty and that's with Gronk. amazing. That's right. with Gronkowski with Brady. Like, no Gronk right now with Brady. Yeah, we don't, and, and no AB, you know, so there's still, you know, there's, there's room to grow, but he's done this every year, regardless of the quarterback, regardless of the circumstances, he's had a thousand plus yards every season, which also means he stays healthy. That's another big thing. Like, you know, he, he's a big guy. He's built, you know, very, he's thick. He can stay healthy. He, he's proven it so far. So that's, you know, that's an added bonus, but not only has he put up, you know, a thousand yards in all eight of his pro seasons, he's had at least 13 touchdown receptions in each of his two years with Tom Brady. So it's like, you have a high floor and a high ceiling. And like you said, if Gronk doesn't come back, maybe even if he does, cause you still, you're going from, you know, Brown to Russell Gage, Chris Godwin probably misses some time at the beginning of the year. There's room to grow in terms of the target share for a very talented guy. So love the floor ceiling combo for Mike Evans. And I see another guy you're high on uh, going right now, average draft position wide receiver 39. Robert Woods, our guy, back off, you know, pretty major injury, but he's had plenty of time to rehab. I love where you're coming from in this angle. He's getting drafted way too late. Wide receiver 39. Can't get no respect, Robert Woods. Yeah, and listen, I get, you know, it's still early. Um, I expect him to start creeping up, but, you know, I've been kind of keeping tabs on him because I'm very interested, you know, because I think he will be a value if he's still, if he's going at a spot like this as long as he's healthy. And I've been, you know, watching some videos out of camp. And I mean, he's cutting hard. He's catching some passes. Um, he looks good. Like he doesn't like, and this is, let me kind of contrast this with a guy like Michael Thomas, another guy coming off injury. He hasn't played in a while. Mike Tom, Michael Thomas still hasn't been practicing. Like we have no idea what, like, when he, he's going to be back, if he's going to be good to go for, for training camp, if he's not, you know, Chris Godwin, another guy, like he's not, you know, he's not back. Like Robert Woods is, 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 is out here and he's moving around. He's looking good. And again, what I say about the, you know, wide receiver, when you get out of the top, you know, 25 or so and into that, you know, 30, 40 range, you're looking for guys who can be like a number one and Robert Woods, if he's healthy, it's a very high likelihood that he's the 
Titans number one receiver over Traylon Burks, who's had some struggles in camp, who's a rookie. Um, I think Woods comes in here and, and, and is the number one. And he's had between 11.4 and 13.9 half PPR points per game over the last five seasons. That puts him between wide receiver nine and wide receiver 25. Um, and that's, you know, and that's, and that's with, you know, last year, for example, 12.5 half PPR points per game. That was with Cooper cup going off. That wasn't as the number one option there. So I know Tennessee throws a lot less, but he he's going to get the same opportunity as AJ Brown in terms of, you know, the routes being on the field and, you know, potentially the targets if he's, if he's healthy, which it looks like he is. So yeah, I think he's, he's going to be a steal uh, at, at wide receiver 39. And the last one here, wide receiver 46, Christian Kirk going very late. And you you like him way above that position, don't you? Yeah, so this it's just a bet on the fact that, like, it's it's just a smart gamble, I guess you could say, at that point in the draft. Wide receiver 46, you're essentially getting him as a low-end number four receiver for another guy who could be. Uh, I would say it's, he's the most likely guy to be Jacksonville's number one receiver, Simon. And you talked earlier, like, you know, you kind of implied Trevor Lawrence might take a step forward, right? You know, and I think he he can only go up from, from what he did last year. We know he has talent. Um, so Christian Kirk, in the seven games without DeAndre Hopkins last year, he averaged 5.6 catches, 65 yards per game. You know, that was his time. He showed he could be a, a true number one receiver or at least put up those kind of numbers, you know, even getting more defensive attention. And then you look at the targets per route run and – his, you know, his number last year, 19.4%. That was higher than Marvin Jones, who was at 18.2. Uh, and Zay Jones, who was at 17.2 with the Raiders. So, you know, when you're projecting this out, just based on the numbers alone, you know, Christian Kirk, you would project him to get the most targets on the team. And then you look at the contract they gave him uh, and you look what he did when he was that top guy. And you say, okay, like this guy, you know, maybe he doesn't put up top 20 numbers, but I think he definitely could sneak into the top 30 as the Jaguars, you know, number one receiver or de facto number one receiver. So um, I think wide receiver 46 is way too low. Dudes, we have covered it. We have gone through undervalued, overvalued ADP for quarterbacks, for running backs, receivers. We had surprises. We had controversy. Everything you could want in a list. Chris Raybon of the Action Network, our do-everything analyst, but really one of the best gambling and fantasy analysts in the country, according to every metric, whether you track him in the app, whether you follow, see his rankings on Fantasy Pros, listen to him and Sean Kerner every week on Fantasy Flex, the fantasy podcast from the Action Network. Well done, Raybon. I will definitely be your friend 30 years from now. Love it. For that. Love it. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. For Chris Raybon, for Simon Hunter, for Matt Mitchell, I am Chad Millman. This has been The Favorites from the Volume Podcast Network. Download us from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe, rate, review, leave us five stars, say whatever you want. Feedback is a gift. Until next time, love you. 